Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We're presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Welcome into the show here on a Wednesday following the Nuggets game two win over the Spurs, just when we think this Nuggets season can't take any more dramatic twists and turns. We get what we saw Tuesday night at Pepsi Center. Denver looked dead in the water. They looked like they probably should be making their summer plans here in the second quarter when they were down by 19 points. But Jamal Murray puts together what I think is a fourth quarter playoff performance that will live in Nuggets history uh, forever. And he was incredible. A lot to get to on today's show. Where I want to start, Christian, what were you thinking when Denver was down 19 points in the second quarter in the midst of a first half that had gone, I thought, pretty much exactly how game one had gone in terms of Denver's inability to shoot the ball. And I also thought the Nuggets weren't playing as good defense as they were in game one either. Where was your head at when Denver was down 19? Well, before we get into this, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit drained. It was a late night last night and early morning. Do you have any pretzels? <laughs> I need a little pick-me-up. I mean, pretzels have salt. It, it helps replenish those electrolytes. Do you have any? Uh, that's a negative. That's a negative. Okay. Well, I can't guarantee that this is going to be a strong performance for the rest of this podcast then. Well, without the pretzels, what were you thinking down 19? Uh, I was thinking 
that a lot of the Nuggets were thinking about they were going to go to Cabo and various other places on a beach somewhere. I mean, I thought it was over. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I was, you know, I already had my headline written for the gamer, like Nuggets season on life support after game two mm-hmm. loss. I mean, I thought it was over. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the, the offense had scored so many points for three seasons in a row was nowhere to be found. Guys were out there shooting threes, hitting the side of the backboard. I mean, they looked completely out of sorts. They just looked shook, really. They looked shook for the first, what, six quarters of this series? I mean, the first half in this one played exactly how that game one did. Denver could not get anything going on the offensive end. Like I just mentioned, I didn't think their defense was at the level it was in game one. Aldridge was getting what he wanted, it seemed. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, say what you want about him, but he, he was at least scoring the ball. You know, He was getting some of those fadeaways to go. Derek White had continued to outplay Jamal Murray. I thought through six quarters up until halftime of this game, too, Derek White was probably the best player in this series. He's been unbelievable for San Antonio. I can't believe how good he's played over two games. And I agree with you. I had pretty much lost hope uh, for this Nuggets team down 19 in the second quarter. The only thing that gave me some sort of belief that Denver could bring this back was it was really tough imagining Denver having two full games of shooting just this poor. Like they were still getting open shots in the first half last night, just like they had in game one. They were still getting open threes. They were still getting open corner threes. Good quality shots that you usually take from this team from a lot of people up and down this roster. They just couldn't get anything to go. And that's the only reason why I held out a little bit of hope that this thing might not end Tuesday night in Denver because we all know if the Nuggets were going to go down 0-2 to San Antonio heading to AT&T Center, heading on the road, there's no way they were coming back. So I had a little ray of hope, but... I mean, it wasn't much. Denver wasn't giving you that much that got you excited. And you knew Denver was on the ropes in the second quarter because Michael Malone got one of those technicals that's like, I'm not really mad about this call. I'm just doing this so I can try to fire my team up. And that's what it did. He had a great line post game about how he called that technical to show his guys that he was fighting with them, you know, to show them that he had their backs. And Denver was on the wrong end of a couple really bad whistles in this one. The officiating was really inconsistent, I thought, in this game too. But that technical foul rallied the Nuggets a little bit. And sometimes you see that with technicals. I feel like sometimes you don't. It's kind of hit or miss, maybe 50-50. This one certainly rallied Denver. I think they put on a 11-0 run, got a little bit of momentum, but still Denver battled back. And I think the Spurs still pushed that lead to, what, 10 points at halftime or so? Yeah, and as as ugly as it was in the first half, Think about where Denver would have been without Paul Millsap. Right. I mean, he was really the reason why they were in that game to start. Gary Harris got going as the game wore on. He was excellent. But it was, I mean, Paul Millsap, and there wasn't a whole lot else there in the early going. I love Paul Millsap's game plan. He really did seem to have a sense for, my team needs me to rise to the occasion in this one. And, I mean, really, it was just, I'm going to make one cut, and I'm going to try to go to the basket as hard as I can. I mean, it was a concerted effort to just drive the basketball inside, and I love that approach. Millsap was 5-7 of seven from the line in this one. He attempted the most free throws on this team with Murray, and that's something we talked about that needed to be a priority with this team earlier this week when the three-point shot wasn't falling. You've got to get to the line. You've got to attack the rim. You can't just 
live and die on these threes. Maybe that works in the regular season, but when you're on life support in the playoffs, that can't fly. It felt like Millsap took that message to heart. He was attacking the rim. He seems like he's in a nice rhythm with those little one dribble spin post-ups where he's like falling down and barely shooting the ball before he lands on his back. It seems like he's getting a lot of those to fall lately. I think he scored 11 of the Nuggets' first 17 points of this game, and he finished the night 7 of 10. Yeah, it turns out his uncle at the summer cookout game is really well suited for the playoffs. Right. It's just that bruising style seems like it has a place in this series, funny enough. There's a time and place for those really difficult Paul Millsap buckets. Gary Harris showed some life in that first half as well, but he turned it on in the second half too. The vibe in Pepsi Center was weird for this one. It was a late-arriving crowd. Apparently, everybody just showed up at the same time for a 7 o'clock game. It led to really long lines. It took a while for the fans to get in. It felt like at the tip of this one, it felt like a important regular season game. That's how I describe the mood and the energy in the arena. And sure enough, it's not the Nuggets fans' responsibility to inject energy into the team, but it seemed like Denver kind of came out with not a ton of flair, not a ton of spirit, because there wasn't a lot of energy in the building. Well, when you when you haven't had a playoff game in six years, and then you know your second one in six years, you come out and the lower bulls, I don't know, half to two-thirds full, um, right when they're about to sing the national anthem, that has to be a little bit demoralizing. I don't care what they say. That has to affect you in some small way mentally. I really do think Denver coming out flat had a, a little something to do with it, and the crowd was awesome. Um, once they finally filtered in there, I, right. I'm not sure what the issue was at the gates. People said the lines were super long, but I think that really did play a role, to be honest. It did, and the crowd was loud in the second half. They were boisterous. They had a lot to cheer about. They had a lot of Jamal Murray buckets to cheer about, and uh, we'll certainly get to his night uh, in a little bit here. But you're right. There was anxiety. Right. Like every missed shot, it was just a, a little louder collective groan each time, it seemed like. Right. And I felt that anxiety from the first miss of the game when Denver couldn't really get much going off the opening tip, and you were like, okay, here we go again. This is deja vu. I mean, Nuggets were down 26-21 after one quarter. This was playing out exactly like game one, and you're saying to yourself, if you're a Nuggets fan, not again, not again. This isn't really how it's going to end. I mean, here's what's flashing before my eyes. Oh, man, this is about to be a long summer. Do they need to make big changes? What's the next step for this team? You get to the two seed, and then you lose your first two games to a seven-seeded Spurs team. You might fall in the first round to LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. What does that do for the trajectory of this team going forward? I had a lot of questions running through my head. Well, it might mean, you know, if you get swept in the first round by this Spurs team, I mean, they're a solid team, but let's not pretend like they're just going to blow people away with talent that any name not named Nikola Jokic becomes available. But I'm glad we don't have to go there. Yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to have that discussion because I don't know if that would have been true, but it's what was running through my head in the first half. Yeah, and we say that, and you know, the Trailblazers got swept in the first round last year, and and they ran it back, and it looks like it was the best thing for them. So. Right. I mean, that usually is the best thing to do. Continuity to run it back is staple of this Nuggets team over the last few years. So, a lot more to get to. Jamal Murray's fourth quarter, 
what the locker room was like after this one. And if Denver can channel some of this into some momentum heading to San Antonio, is Denver still alive in this thing? Let's hit a break real quick and we'll get to that on the other side. We'll be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Wednesday edition of the show. We're presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Recapping another thriller. I feel like we say that every week or so on this podcast. We said it after the Minnesota game, and I feel like this game has a similar tune to it. Funny how that happens with this team. Denver comes alive when they really need to. A bit symbolic of how this series has gone. It felt like this comeback really started in the third quarter, and Jamal Murray's going to get a ton of credit here, and he certainly does. But Denver found their legs a bit in the second half, there was a big timeout called by Michael Malone with his team trailing by 16 points where he sent a very simple and direct message to his guys that there's still a lot of basketball left to be played and they weren't out of it quite yet. What did he tell his team in that timeout? Well, I love this tidbit. He reminded them that just 24 hours earlier, the, the Los Angeles Clippers came back from 31 points down to to beat the Golden State Warriors. You know, at that point in time, the Denver was down 16, I believe. So, you know, that compared to 31, that's nothing. Denver still had, uh, you know, basically a quarter and a half to make up that deficit. But Malone said that some things are just going to have to change on the court. Um, but I love that he included that tidbit about the Clippers and, and just kind of putting, you know, the Nuggets' issues and struggles in context to that. Right, and he was just like, guys, we've – Got a lot of basketball left to be played. We've shown this season we can get hot in a hurry. Let's just go out there and hoop and see what happens. Lou Williams had this great quote after the Clippers game, after they came back from that 31-point deficit. He said that he told his guys at halftime, like, let's just get lost in the game. And I thought that was a cool little saying about how, you know, sometimes it's best for these guys when things aren't going their way just to forget about time and score and just play basketball as they've done their entire lives. And that seems like what the Nuggets did in the third quarter, maybe following that timeout. They weren't thinking about how poorly they've shot the ball over the last six quarters. They weren't thinking thinking about 
the veteran savvy of the Spurs and Popovich and what they might throw their way. They just kind of played basketball. They played like the Nuggets. Well, that seems like good advice for Jamal Murray, and that was kind of what Michael Bullen told him at halftime. Like, hey, man, just relax. It looks like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders every time you miss a shot. Jamal Murray was playing you know, pretty tight. I, I think he was pressing definitely the first six quarters of this series. Mm-hmm. We saw Jamal Murray unburdened um, finally in that fourth quarter, but I, I agree that, yeah, the Nuggets just looked so tight really through through six and a half quarters in this game, and it was fun to see them just just go out there and play. And then the fourth, it took Jamal Murray one shot to get going, and I tweeted this out a couple times over that fourth quarter run. I can't remember seeing a guy go from as cold as Jamal Murray was to as hot as he was in this fourth quarter. And really from that first one that went down, you had a feeling like, okay, he might have something here. Because, I mean, I don't mean to like say this fourth quarter performance from him wasn't totally stunning, but it wasn't out of the ordinary for Murray. Like We've seen this stuff before from him. He had 34 points in the second half against Sacramento earlier this season in like 22 second half minutes. He's had the 48-point game against Boston, the 46-point game against Phoenix. He's done this and put Denver on their back, on his back before. And he's proven he can be this late-game scorer. He's proven he can heat up in a hurry like he did again Tuesday night. It was vintage Jamal Murray. Yeah, I mean, he did something similar against the San Antonio Spurs earlier this season. Yeah. I mean, they were in San Antonio in a regular season game, and Jamal Murray was terrible through the first half of that game and, and all of a sudden flips a switch in the, for, in the fourth quarter. You're right. I mean, calling him a microwave or whatever, that doesn't even do it justice. I've, I've never seen someone who can just go from freezing cold to, to smoldering hot like this. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, 21 points in one quarter to basically save the Nuggets season when he'd played like dog crap the, the seven previous quarters speaks to Jamal's mental strength. I, I think Michael Malone should get a lot of credit for just sticking with Jamal Murray and having faith in his guy. Um, but it was unbelievable. That was, that was one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed live, basketball-wise. It was. And I think it, it takes the cake as one of the most incredible moments I've witnessed just because of everything that was at stake, right? If he does this in a regular season game, incredible moment. One of the best scoring runs of the season for sure. A huge win. But the fact that this came in a game two where Denver was in danger of going down 0-2 and then having to go onto the road in San Antonio, where the Nuggets have lost 13 straight, the pressure of the moment, everything that was at stake, the Nuggets season hanging in the balance, for him to come through there, that's what made it a legendary and iconic performance for me. And the fact that it came in the playoffs, I mean, this one will be remembered for a while, I think. And also... On press row, we were questioning whether the Michael Malone should roll with Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter. Monte Morris had outplayed him through three quarters, you know? I was saying the exact same thing on the opposite side of the arena. I was, I was going through that in my head, and I'm not going to lie to you. I was thinking just to myself, yeah, he should roll with Monte Morris in this one. It's, it's just not Jamal's night. He had looked like a shell of himself through really the first seven quarters of this series. Uncharacteristic first game in three quarters from him, and... It was at the point where you felt like Denver had a better chance to win with Monte Morris out there. No question. And Malone had some unbelievable quotes after the game uh, about this subject when asked, you know, did he ever consider 
riding Monte Morris, who's you know maybe the best backup point guard in the entire league instead of Jamal Murray. Malone said, I knew in my heart he needed to get these minutes. He needed to be out there. I needed to show him I believed in him. I think you know the best part about Michael Malone, the head coach, is, look, this guy, you have to be a freaking grinder to be a head coach in the NBA, and, and this guy I think is in like the, the top like five percentile in terms of like work ethic. This guy's a maniacal worker, just pours over film, knows all the numbers. But I think the best thing you can say about Michael Malone is he understands people. And, you know, it didn't make much sense really to, to ride with Jamal Murray. He was just kind of going off a gut feeling. And mm-hmm. it, it was really loyalty was the biggest thing there. And guys want to play hard for Michael Malone. So Malone and, and Jamal Murray have a special relationship and, Man, seeing it seeing it work out in the fourth quarter last night was super cool. It was. It was a great moment. And, yeah, that's a lot of great points about why this team plays so hard for Michael Malone. Like the examples we've just touched on, him taking that technical, what he told those guys in the third quarter and throughout the second half. It's just kind of another example on top of countless and countless instances of why this team plays hard for him and – why he is the right coach for this bunch in year four. What did you think about the scene that unfolded in the Nuggets locker room after this game? Obviously, an emotional room where Denver went very quickly from on the brink of their season being over to suddenly having life in this series. And we'll get to a second if the Nuggets suddenly have the momentum in this series after just really one quarter that went in their favor. What did you see in the locker room, and just what did you kind of think of that whole scene? I saw a bunch of dudes who looked like they had a whole new lease on life. Yeah. Like, this is a series, and, and maybe even Denver's favored now. I don't know, because things were dire there in the, in the third quarter. I mean, 16 minutes completely changed everything in this series, and it was from ownership on down. I mean, it had been a while since we'd seen Stan Kroenke. That dude was moving about in the locker room with a, a grin on his face. Right. Like, even he couldn't hide it. I mean, Stan Kroenke, you know, like pretty legendary businessman. Every time you see him, pretty pretty stoic. He was he was ecstatic, mm-hmm. and so was Josh Kroenke. I mean, Michael Malone was making the rounds in there. That was definitely a scene. The hug that I saw Michael Malone give Stan Kroenke as Nikola Jokic was finishing up his kind of post game media scrum on one wall of the locker room. That was a hug that symbolized a lot of pain and hardships and a lot of losses, but also a lot of emotional wins over the last four seasons. It was a special moment. I feel like the hug probably lasted like at least five seconds. It wasn't a quick hug by any means. It was a drawn out embrace. It was just a cool moment. And um, yeah, you had Stan and Josh Kroenke in there, Tim Conley and Michael Malone kind of having a little powwow at the center of the room while they were kind of embracing and going around, giving congratulations to everybody. Jamal Murray got a hug from Stan Kroenke, a guy who we don't see a ton around Pepsi center, but of course he's got to show up for the playoffs. So it was a cool moment. It was a cool room. And I agree with you. It seems like this team has a new lease on life. It seems like they've rediscovered the spirit that they played with for much of the season. And it's crazy how things can change so quickly. And Nicole Jokic said in his post-game interview that now that they kind of have this monkey off their back, they, they all have this first postseason win in the bag, he expects them to play a little bit looser now. And oh, yeah, we got to think they do. Yeah, I, 
I mean, I, I think we are going to see that. They they just look so tight for most of these first two games. I think we are going to see that, and I, I like Denver's chances of, of getting one of these games in San Antonio. Yeah, let's talk about that. But first, a quick word from Total Beverage. Right now, they've got an awesome deal for BSN listeners. You guys already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado. They've also got the best prices in Colorado. Now they're actually delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area, all the way from Root Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. You can get that by using the promo code BSN10. So go to the Total Beverage website, download their app, plug in the promo code BSN10. You guys can save $10 off a $50 purchase and have it delivered right to your door as well. So now the Nuggets go down to San Antonio, a place where they haven't won in 13 tries. You said just now that now after this victory, you think there's a good chance the Nuggets can get a win in San Antonio. I'd agree with you. And they've been close before. They were really close last year to getting a win in AT&T Center. But momentum is a powerful thing, I personally think, in the playoffs, especially for a young team that's coming off an emotional victory like this one. Denver finally got some shots to fall in the second half. I mean, the Nuggets wound up shooting 42% from three in this one. They were on fire in the fourth quarter in the second half. And a lot of that had to do with Jamal Murray and just a vintage performance from him. One impossible shot after another. Like the fadeaways, the one dribble pull-ups, the pull-up from right in front of the Spurs bench that you know he had been wanting to take all game and finally found the opportunity to do it. It it really had everything. What was going through your mind on the pull-up three? Oh, I knew it was going in. Yeah? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, how could he miss that shot at that point? Yeah, I mean, he loves the pull-up three. I feel like he hasn't had a great conversion rate. But I can't remember the last one he hit yeah, before that. I thought I was going in, too. I, I mean, Jamal Murray, you could have lowered him from the ceiling like Rocky, and he would have made it. Yeah. So Denver goes to San Antonio game three Thursday. I mean, what are the Nuggets going to have to do to beat the Spurs and take one of these games in San Antonio? Uh you know, keep their emotions in check, I, I think, is one thing. That's been an issue for Nicole Jokic to the regular season. I think he's done a, a pretty darn good job of that through these first two games. But it's going to be a crazy crowd. The, the Spurs mm-hmm. are definitely just going to go on runs at home. So withstanding those runs, kind of weathering that storm and, and not getting too worked up if a call or two doesn't go your way. And the other thing I'm going to be looking for is how much playing time does Malik Beasley get? Because, look, the Nuggets could, I, I think, use a little bit more shooting and Malik Beasley was Denver's best jump shooter, in my opinion, during the regular season. So I think you could see him play some more minutes, maybe eat into Will Barton's playing time a little bit. Will Barton's just just really struggling right now. I actually thought he was pretty good in game one, but really tough game two. And I, I think ever since this core injury, he just hasn't looked like the same guys last year. Definitely not. He's had some spurts. He's had a couple games in a row where he scored well, a couple games where he's defended him defended pretty well but overall just hasn't had that same bounce to his game and just hasn't looked comfortable out there and I mean you feel for the guy he was getting booed last night and I thought it was pretty telling how Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic unprompted both of them went out of their way to say they didn't really appreciate the boos and yeah fans are free to do what they want but you know you certainly feel bad for a guy like Barton who's definitely not operating at 100 percent 
Yeah, I mean, one of the founding fathers, mm. as he told you earlier this season of this this iteration of the Nuggets. I mean, look, you say what you want about what Walt Barton is doing on the court right now. I think that a lot of that has to do with the, the core injury he suffered earlier this year. It's the first time he had surgery, so this is something new for him. I would say that a lot of the folks at home can't see the impact that Will Barton just has in the locker room, you know, pumping up Nicole Yoke and giving him confidence, helping guys like Malik Beasley and Gary Harris along. I don't I don't think the Nuggets would be nearly where they are now if not for Will Barton, you know, from what he's done on the court, but also I think that guy is a, a tremendous leader. And he gives this team a little bit of an edge too. Got a, his roots growing up in Baltimore, kind of you know, he, he doesn't he didn't really grow up playing the beautiful game like Nikola Jokic did. You know, he, he's kind of got a different uh, a flair to his game. He's kind of got that one on one ability when he's healthy that this Nuggets roster doesn't have. And he's got a little edge to him that I think has really helped shape this team this year and given the Nuggets a bit of attitude that they didn't have last year and uh, or, or at times really before Will Barton kind of became essential figure on this team so yeah uh, he's been incredibly valuable and it's just too bad we haven't seen him at full strength this year yeah and this is a roster full of castoffs and underdogs and nobody embodies that like will barton i mean a guy was a second round pick who's riding the bench in portland who feared that his career might be over you know came to denver and completely revitalized his career carved out a place for him in the nba so i think you know, as frustrating as game two was, I think you just got to kind of have some perspective with Will Barton. He's he's coming back from, you know, toughest injury maybe of his basketball career. And he, this guy has done so much good. And I, when he has been healthy, he's been so good. But I like what you said about Malik Beasley. And he only played, I think, five minutes in the first half. And that was one of the things coming out of halftime that I felt like the Nuggets needed to adjust. They needed to get Malik Beasley on the floor because, A, they couldn't shoot the ball worth a crap in the first half. Malik Beasley has been the best shooter on this team from game one through the first game of the playoffs. And two, there's nobody on this roster that can inject life into a team and inject energy into an arena like Malik Beasley can, either with a three or just an absolute sledgehammer of a dunk, which he's liable to pull off. Anytime he steps on the floor and gets the ball in his hand. So I felt like the Nuggets needed to get him on the floor. And he certainly, you know, proved that theory right. He had a couple of big threes in that second half. And I would look for him to get some more playing time here in San Antonio in games three and four. I feel like that'd be good for Denver to have his shooting out there. You lose a little bit with him on the defensive end of the floor. He's lost those Spurs wings at times on defense but I think offensively he gives this team a needed boost, so I'd be looking out for that. Yeah, I think that's a trade-off worth making. You you do worry about him on on the defensive end. I can I can see why Malone, you know, as talented as Beasley is, sometimes is, is hesitant to to just unleash him. But I just think you need his talent on the offensive end, especially with the way that the Spurs continue to crowd Nikola Jokic. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we got for today. An emotional, uh, emotional win, a potentially momentum-changing win in Game 2 at Pepsi Center Tuesday night. We'll see how the Nuggets react Thursday. We're heading down to San Antonio for Games 3 and 4 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, we'll be down in Texas. So we'll be bringing you coverage from San Antonio as well as some podcasts later this week and potentially into this weekend as well. So a lot of great coverage coming up. Stay tuned to bsndenver.com for that. We've also got great content up from last night's game. Uh, Two articles breaking down the impact Mike Malone had in that third quarter timeout and how what he had to say to his players helped lead to Denver's fourth quarter comeback and also just kind of a synopsis of Jamal Murray's night, how meaningful it was, what was at stake, and you know, what he had to say afterwards and an emotional scene in the Nuggets locker room. So bsndenver.com backslash subscribe if you want to read about that. And with that, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you guys then. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.